to Life Lessons. We're Jen and Sherry. I'm Jen Stevens, a retired teacher of 28 years and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've worked in healthcare for over 26 years, and I've been an active volunteer for many organizations. We're both wives and moms, and let's face it, we're the glue that holds it all together in our homes. In our careers, we have always been problem solvers who help others. And that's what we'll be doing here, answering questions you didn't know you had, one smart solution at a time. We're always looking for ways to make our lives easier, help us be more productive, or improve our health and wellness. So let's live our best lives one day at a time, and let's have some fun along the way. Hi, everybody. We are so glad you're here today. Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Lessons Podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm doing great. Me too. We just, I mean, you know this, but I haven't shared it on the air. Chad and I just decided to move to the beach house all the time. So we're in the process of like trying to rearrange things yeah, a little bit just because we were sleeping over there like so many nights. Right. And because we love it there. We love waking up there. We loved eating dinner there. I was hauling stuff over. Uh-huh. We would spend the night and then coming back because Ellie and Ringo were here and Lucy, the cats were here and I felt bad about leaving them. Ringo needed his shots. So I'm like, why are we going back and forth? Why don't we just try it? So we moved over there. We brought Ellie. We brought Ringo. And Lucy went to live with Will. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) So Will has his cat, Pepper, and Lucy. He said she's really happy. And Ellie is learning how to be a beach cat. And what about Ringo? Well, he's he's adjusting. He's our scaredy cat. Right. And so he's not really – we have the cat door there. We put it in the window. Ellie's Mm -hmm. going in and out of that. And Ringo ventured out one time, went down the path a little bit, and then ran in really fast. I bet he stays (laughs) close to the house. He does. Well, I don't know if he'll go out anytime soon. It's weird. It's just a weird environment. Ellie's loving it, though. She goes out, sits on the porch. I bet she goes out there and prowls through those, what yes, do you call them? All the brambles uh, and the grass. and Yep, all the yep. tall grass right there in the dune. Because we have mm-hmm. a big wide dune area between us and the beach. So, so far I haven't seen her going over all the way to the beach. I hope she doesn't. Well, she's your social kitty. <laughs> she is. We're locking them in at night. Yeah. So that's the only thing. You know, we're not letting them wander free all night. So she can go out during the day. And then when it's dark, we bring them in, her in and lock the cat door. So, so far, so good. But, you know, I figured, I'm trying to figure out how big this house is. Like I measured the length and width of it and just multiplying length times width gave me 926 square feet. And that doesn't account for walls. Yeah. (laughs) You're losing about 2,000 square feet. Well, more than that. I mean, we, well, yeah, that's, I guess so. You yeah, and that's Chad right. are going to get very close. We are. We're actually enjoying it. Good. But we're, the other house, I'm there right now because the other house, I think it's going to be our business address, right? You know, I'm, my podcast studio is here. I can't do this at the beach house. Right. Right. So. Anyway. Well, I tell you, we went last week, Eric and I went, uh, my parents came to Alabama last week and they rented a cabin there's a state park, DeSoto State Park. It's in Northeast Alabama. And so they rented an 1880s log cabin. Some guy has gone and torn down and rebuilt log cabins from the area all onto his property. And then he rents them out. He modernizes them, of course. We weren't like cooking over a fire. Well, I mean, we did, but that was voluntary. You didn't there was, have there to, was a stove. Right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, we went up there and stayed a couple of days with them. And we went up to Chattanooga and went to Rock City, which was fun. And we had a great couple of days and I had no cell signal up there. And like on one hand, it's really frustrating because my dad and I are both like, oh, let's look that up. And, and couldn't. we couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> like if you held your phone just right and stood in the right part of the cabin, you could get one bar. And if you waited long enough, you might get Google to load. So it was kind of nice because it forced me to take some downtime and it was just simple. We just sat on the porch and enjoyed the bird sounds and well, you know, just relaxed. We don't need everything. You know, I learned that moving from our, our old house was, you know, if you add together both of these houses, it's still less than our house in Augusta, right? We have 926 square feet. Actually, it's smaller than that when you count the walls. 
And then this one that's like, I don't know, 2,700. If you put all that together, it's smaller than our house in Augusta that we sold. So we got rid of a lot of stuff, but we don't need all that. Right. You know, but I, I do need a good office. I have business document, you know, things like that that I need. But we might rent out the bottom floor here because it has a separate bottom floor that you can lock off from the top floor. I don't know. We haven't decided. Well, that makes good business sense. It does make it's good business sense. It's set up to be a rental. So. It is, yes. This whole neighborhood is a vacation neighborhood. So, you know, at worst case scenario, it'll be an investment in my office, right? <laughs> now, are you still coming back and forth to do water aerobics? Well, I'm actually taking a short break from water aerobics because my shoulder needs to heal. But yes, I will come back over for water aerobics. I mean, it's I have to drive to water aerobics from whichever house. It's just a slightly tiny bit farther from the beach house. But when I was in Nashville for the weekend, I noticed my shoulder felt a lot better. You know, I, I couldn't go because I had some early morning things I had to do. Then I flew to Nashville. So I, I ended up taking maybe five days in a row off just because I was couldn't go. My shoulder felt so much better. Well, so I, it might I think need a I, break. Yeah, I think I injured my shoulder moving and then exacerbated it with water aerobics because I thought I had something pinched, but I, actually now I'm not sure. Women are prone to shoulder impingements, and it has to do with the fact that we have breasts and that women are more rounded, our, our shoulders round forward, and it's just how women are. And so women tend to have weak shoulders and shoulder problems. Well, I just went from zero to 60. Like I was doing nothing, and then I was doing water aerobics five days a week with weights. <laughs> so I just need to rest my shoulder a little bit. But yeah, I'll go back to water aerobics. I'm, I'm give it a few more days and then see how that is and maybe take it a little easier well, on my that's shoulder. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Listening to your body. Well, it's important. Yeah. Well, this week we have a good news segment from Melissa in Virginia. She has a customer service shout out. She wrote, hey, Jen and Sherry, I love your podcast. I would love to give a shout out to Kistner Appliance Repair in Bristol, Tennessee. A few weeks ago, my Gen Air range stopped working and displayed an error code. I called Kistner Appliance and they had me screenshot the model and serial number so that they could research my issue. They quickly got back to me, letting me know that the replacement part would be about $300, but that it was out of stock and there was not an estimated time of when they would be able to get it. But they also sent a screenshot of a solution that they had found that might fix my problem. It was to simply turn off the power to the oven for 30 seconds and then restart it. This could possibly reset the computer. And guess what? It worked. I was so excited and relieved. I definitely couldn't go months without my oven and it would be costly to replace. I was so impressed with the repairman that I talked to. He was so kind and helpful. I feel that most companies would not have given me the information to restart my oven, but would have come and tried it themselves so that they could at least charge a service fee. I'm so thankful that I called them and I would highly recommend to them to anyone in the Tri-Cities region. That's a great story. And I'm not sure what the Tri-Cities region is. Well, I guess it's like right around there by Bristol, Tennessee, and she's like all around in there. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have an appliance tip for anybody remodeling a kitchen or building from scratch. You don't need those fancy appliances. <laughs> the fancy ones, we learned our last house. They had put in a fancy kitchen. It was a fancy KitchenAid, everything built in, fancy pieces. Those things are so hard to replace. Right. And I mean, our dishwasher went out in that house. It, it stopped working. And that was really easy. You just put in a standard dishwasher, but our oven was given us problems. It was a fancy dove, like built-in kind of a thing. We couldn't find one. It took forever. You know, the same thing with like those built-in refrigerators. You know, if you just get a standard Go with the classic. Go with, exactly, exactly. There's a funny meme going around right now that has like a 1976 Harvest Gold refrigerator. <laughs> and it says something like, if your refrigerator is this color, it will never die. <laughs> but if it's, but then they showed like a, but they're like, if you bought it in the last two years, be, you expect to replace it soon or something. And it's like, so true. It's very true. Oh my gosh. Hilarious story. And then we can, we can stop with the appliances. But my grandmama Calhoun, she lived in 96 South Carolina and she had this kitchen that was like turquoise from the fifties. And it had a refrigerator that was like upper cabinets. 
it was like a built-in refrigerator that was like upper cabinets and it was all turquoise and all the everything was turquoise all the other cabinets were also turquoise I've never seen anything like it. I've never heard of anything well, like that. Well, yesterday I was watching this TV show from HGTV. It's new. It's like, I can't remember the name of it. Million Dollar Flipping. I can't remember, but it's these people who were dropped in Texas with $1,000 and they're flipping to a million or something. Episode two, this couple is looking at this house in Dallas that they're going to buy and try to flip. And it had that same kitchen as my grandmama. It oh, had, my gosh. It had the refrigerator. I'm like, oh, my God. I've never seen that before. It was so exciting. That's fun. But, I mean, how many people had them? I don't know. Probably not very many. I've never seen them. And all the house shows I've watched over the years. But it was turquoise, just exactly like Grandma Calhoun's <laughs> kitchen. That's funny. Anyway, don't buy that one. <laughs> <laughs> it had stopped working well before I was even born, and she used them as kitchen cabinets by that well, of point. Of course. What else that would was you it. do? You couldn't yeah. fix it. <laughs> it was just fancy cabinets that were very sealed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. So before we get to the life lesson of the week, I want to tell you about all the amazing companies that are featured at jenstevens.com slash cleanish. As I've, I've said many times, you know, when I wrote cleanish, I realized how many changes I still needed to make in my life. The subtitle of Cleanish is Eat Mostly Clean, Live Mainly Clean, and Unlock Your Body's Natural Ability to Self-Clean. Intermittent fasting helps me self-clean, but I really needed to improve in the other areas. So when it comes to eating mainly clean, I rely on meals from Green Chef, window openers from Daily Harvest, and clean wines from Dry Farm Wines. I also needed to make a lot of changes to the products I was using on my body and what I use in my home. So I switched to Beauty Counter for makeup, skincare, shampoo, and conditioner, and to Branch Basics for my household cleaning needs. Um, and if you have not read Cleanish yet, now would be a great time. You can also find a link to that at jenstevens.com slash cleanish. And I know it seems overwhelming. You know, we think about all the things that we we probably need to change. And we're like, that sounds like a lot. So we don't do anything. But really small things do add up. Little things. You know, I wasn't ready to do everything at once when I started. I still adopted things slowly and took my time with it. And, you know, we're clean-ish, but every little thing you can do makes a difference. Oh, so exciting news. Oh, what? Speaking of clean-ish, my caraway pans came in today. Oh, what color did you get? Navy. Uh, they're so pretty. <laughs> I love them. They sponsor intermittent fasting stories. And I oh, do just they? love them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. I did they not do. know that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, like you said, small changes. I first started with my skincare and makeup with Beauty Counter. And then I went to Branch Basics for all my like household cleaning needs. And I finally was like, okay, it's time to make another step. And I got greenwashed with some safe nonstick pans, which I say safe and they said quote. they were safe, right? <laughs> so anyway, I did more research and realized, you know, they're not really that safe. But um, and I'm a cast iron girl. I, I mean, I like my cast iron pans a lot. But let's face it, there's just some things you can't cook well in a cast. You and you're not supposed to put an tomato omelet. in them. Correct. Right. So I mean, Correct. what if you're cooking something like a spaghetti sauce? Mm -hmm. Or even like something with like a lemon juice in it, any acid. Like, yeah, you lose your good finish on your cast yeah. iron. So, so yeah. yep. But the caraway pans are fantastic. Well, and I'm excited. I mean, this is not an ad for them, but they say not to put them in the dishwasher, but I'm doing that anyway. I'm putting oh, them. well, that's good to know. I hadn't, I hadn't. Well, look, don't do it and then blame me if it messes them up. So, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm doing, a, I'm like living dangerously. I'm not like you. If it says don't put it in the dishwasher, I don't. It says don't put it in the dishwasher. Okay. Well, and I, I obeyed that for a while. And then I'm like, forget it. I'll just buy some more. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so used to washing my cast iron. It's no big deal. Well, I get it. Anyway, I do love them. Super excited. Well, yay. Well, now it's time for our life lesson of the week. 
So this week we are going to talk about colloquialisms and idioms. And let me just tell you, that's a hard word to say. I've been practicing that. Colloquialisms. (laughs) It is hard. So these are sayings from listeners neck of the woods. So I've always been fascinated with all words. Um, I'm kind of a wordsmith. Me too. I, like I love words. words. Yep. I love play on words. I love alliteration. And as an avid reader, I would often jot down a turn of phrase or idiom and I would look up the origin. And when I first moved to Alabama, my husband used all sorts of phrases like I had never heard of before. And the one that sticks with me is I don't know him from Adam's house cat. And I just remember laughing like hysterically. And I'm like, what, what did you just say? Who is Adam? And why Why does anybody know his you house You had cat? never heard that? I, I didn't know never. that was Southern. I thought that was just, no, that's that what's is funny. Southern. We don't realize that things are Southern or, or regional. Mm-hmm. I thought everybody said that. Yep. Yeah, it basically just means I don't know him, but with a little Southern flair. I, I have figured out Southerners like to add a little flair to their Well, speech. we do. We do like to add flair to everything. A, a little bit extra. <laughs> we are a little extra. Yeah. We don't just say hose. We say hose pipe. I mean, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, we don't use our shopping cart. cart. We got a buggy. Yes. I mean, we, yep. we're going to say it in a more interesting way. That is a fact. <laughs> so first of all, let's define idioms because I am still a teacher and I like to define things. Idioms are phrases that have meanings that are not clear from the words themselves, like who I don't know him from Adam's house cat. When Sherry heard that the first time, she had no idea what it meant. But the rest of us that have been hearing it our whole lives, we just know. We figured out what it meant. Another example, we've all heard the phrase, you know, break a leg. We know that means good luck. But from the words themselves, you know, I can only imagine if if you were someone in English was not your first language and someone said, do you break a leg? You'd be like, what? <laughs> you know? What an awful thing to say. Say that to me. Exactly. (laughs) Now, that phrase originated in the theater. I actually looked up the origin of it, and I found like a bunch of origin stories for that phrase, you know, all the way from like it came from Shakespeare or it came from the ancient Greeks, you know. Anyway, so I'm not sure what the real answer to that is, but clearly no one is telling you to really break a leg. Before we actually explain some idioms. I want to share an example of a not idiom that Chad thought was an idiom. One time he thought, he, he I realized that he thought the phrase take you for granted or take something for granted. He thought it was take it for granted. Granite my, like the rock. My coworker was the same way. So he His made an idiom. moved in and said, you know, it's not granite, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he actually turned a phrase into an idiom that wasn't an idiom. <laughs> He's like, I don't want to take you for granted. I'm like, what? What? Yeah. Anyway, did you watch Modern Family? Yes. For Gloria. I loved it. Yes. Doggy dog, dog, dog World. Yeah. Doggy yeah. Dog World. Every time I hear dog eat dog, I think of Gloria. <laughs> doggy Dog. <laughs> She's my favorite. Actually, I like all of them. Yeah, I used to watch that religiously. So there are many idioms that most of us are probably familiar with, such as being under the weather. Most people know that means you don't feel well. But have you ever wondered where that phrase came from? This idiom likely originated from sailors. If a sailor wasn't feeling well, he would go beneath the bow in the front of the boat. If he was ill, this would protect him from the weather. And he was literally below deck and the weather. And the sick sailor would be described as being under the weather. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Another idiom we've heard is, you know, I've got it in the bag. We all know that means... Oh, I've got that. You know, I'm no problem. And the most common or accepted version of the origin of this idiom goes back to the New York Giants. They had a, um, in 20, or 1916, they had a streak of 26 consecutive wins. And at the beginning of each game, they had a bag with 72 extra baseballs that they could use to replace the balls during the game, during their winning streak. They started a tradition of removing the bag from the field during the ninth inning if they were winning to ensure their win. It was their superstition. They captured the game in the bag. They had it in the bag. That's fun. I know. That's a weird one. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of sports teams have those types of you know, superstitions. Oh, yeah. Right down to, like, wearing dirty socks. So, 
So that's what an idiom is. So what is a colloquialism? Well, they are informal words and expressions that become commonplace within a specific language, geographic region, or historical era. These can include regional terms and phrases such as y'all or ain't, but also can include incorrect grammar or syntax such as I ain't done nothing. Some common examples are we don't need to reinvent the wheel or there's more than one way to skin a cat. They both mean there are multiple ways to achieve the same result. I actually, it's funny, you, you don't realize things are not correct that you grow up hearing. Like right. the phrase might could. Yeah, mm-hmm. might could. We all said that right, growing up. But when I was in college, I had a, a professor in the education department. He said, y'all know might could is not really, that's not correct. <laughs> I'm like, what? Because <laughs> if you ask a Southerner, you know, could you do something? You're like, well, I might could. Well, you know, there's something in the Midwest. I don't know. I don't hear it a lot down here. And I didn't realize it until my husband pointed out that I say it a lot. And then I heard somebody at work say it once. And I'll say, yeah, no. Yeah, Yeah, no. no. Like, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but no. No. Like, so it's like, I, I hear you, but I disagree with you. And I didn't really realize that that's like not something that people really say down here. And when I heard it, I asked the girl at work, I'm like, where are you from? And she was from up north somewhere, Iowa, I think. So I'm trying to think if I've heard that. I don't know. Like I know I've probably heard it from you, but I'm familiar with it. I don't know where why I'm familiar with it. Maybe, Maybe people do you've say heard it. it from me. It might have been you. That's what that's that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm not really sure. So you can see that idioms and colloquialisms, uh, those words are often used interchangeably, but they're a little bit different. Some colloquialisms can be idioms. Not all idioms are colloquial. Some of them are just, you know, widespread. And we don't generally use colloquialisms in formal writing, but we, you know, we speak them. We just use them more informally, whereas idioms can be used in formal writing. So as with most things in life, things change and old sayings get forgotten. And as we move into a more digital communication age, which tends to be short and to the point, I really fear that we're going to lose some of these creative expressions. So today we are going to do our part to keep them alive. So I was recently on vacation with my parents, as I shared earlier, and my dad also has a love for researching the origins of different sayings. We have done this for years, <laughs> and I told him that I was going to do an episode on the subject, and he shared that he recently found out the origin of a common saying, and he's lived in Kansas for 71 years. So this might be a Midwest saying, uh, as my Southern coworkers told me, they have never heard this before. I have heard it. Have you heard this before? Yes. Okay. So the I saying also have is, read a lot. That's know, true. When you've read as as much as as you and See, I have, my husband's not a reader, so I'll say things or I'll say a phrase, and he'll be like, "Who says what? that?" Or, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like Chad won't know what a word is. He's like, "Like we'll be playing Wordle or something." Uh-huh. He's like, "I've never heard of that word," and I'm like, "It means blah blah blah." He has yeah. no idea. If you read, you definitely have a larger vocabulary naturally, and I'm the kind of person if I read something and I don't know what. A word means like I will look it up right away. So, anyways, the the saying is not worth a tinker's dam, and this means that something has no worth or is not salvageable. And as with most sayings, you can find a lot of different reported origins and first recorded uses. This one actually may have two different interpretations, but the first one is the one my dad shared, and it's that in the olden days there were people called tinkers, and they traveled from place to place in like carts and, you know, horse-drawn carriages, and they fixed people's pots and pans. So if the, if like the handle came off, they would solder the handles back on by making a dam of metal to meld the pieces back together so that you've salvaged the pot, you can use it. But if it's not worth a tinker's dam, then it's trash. It's not salvageable. I also looked, found that like, they also said dam could have been like a tinker's curse, So they were known to curse habitually. So a tinker's dam or curse would be of little notice or value because they did it so often. But I think my dad's version makes a little bit more sense. So, and of course, it depends on what I'm going to go with. Spell it right, right, and exactly. Tinker's dam differently with the curse would be D A M N. So yeah, it's again open to interpretation because so much of this was said and not ever written. So it's just what you're hearing. And, you know, words can be spelled more than one way. All right. 
So we asked the community to share some sayings from their necks of the woods, and we have some fun ones to share with you. Teresa from Manitoba said, I grew up in Saskatchewan, Canada, where a hooded pullover sweatshirt with a hand pouch is called a bunny hug. Why? No idea. No one seems to know. But you're going if you're going to the game, don't forget your bunny hug. It might get chilly. I like that. Yeah, I got your maybe because it's like, you know, the hood is your bunny ears. I don't, I don't and you know, but I wear a bunny hug a lot. I don't. I can't stand a hood. Oh, I love it. it I hate it. Warm. I don't have any hoodies. <laughs> <laughs> they like bother my body to have them hanging off of me. I don't love them. I am the weirdo. Listeners, are any of you like me can't wear a hoodie? I can't even sit in a chair if I'm wearing a hoodie. How do you people do it? I don't. It's all bunched up back there. I always wore them to work and then they banned them. We're not maybe because I'm short. Work. Maybe. Maybe I'm because short Because I'm net. short at like <laughs> gets caught up in the net. chair. I don't know. If I'm sitting in a chair, it's all bothering me. I don't know. No hoodies for me. No bunny <laughs> hugs. <laughs> well, the bunny hug just made me think when I first moved to Alabama, it was like late autumn and Eric worked in a factory that wasn't heated or cooled. And he called me one day and asked me to go to Walmart and get him a toboggan. And I'm like, there's no snow. There's no snow in the forecast. Why do you want me to buy a sled? And he's like, what are you talking about? I They call beanies or stocking caps toboggans or boggins for short. I'd never heard that in my life in Colorado. They were really? beanies. No, to oh. me, a, a toboggan's a sled. And see, to me, a beanie is completely different. A beanie is like a nerdy kind of hat that you might wear in like a fancy private school. Well, that's a beanie. Prior to moving to Colorado, that was a beanie to me too. But in Colorado, that was a that was a beanie. A stocking okay. caps a beanie. That's anyway. so funny. <laughs> so Courtney from Western Washington, she says, but originally from Texas, she wrote, my East Texas grandma used to say this in response to wanting something that you couldn't have. Well, you can wish in one hand and spit in the other and see which one gets full faster. And I think that one is pretty self-explanatory. Although I've heard that saying with a different with, word. <laughs> Instead of spit. I to. <laughs> Granny, clean that one up a little. Yeah, thanks, Granny. <laughs> so Anne Lombardo from Watermill, New York, said, This is the east end of Long Island, known as the Hamptons by many. We get a lot of summer residents, vacationers, and truly these visitors are the backbone of our economy. But when the day after Labor Day comes, it's a Tuesday, the locals celebrate the shrinking population, traffic, and attitude a little too. It's been coined as Tumbleweed Tuesday because, yes, the highway, beaches, supermarkets, villages, tumbleweeds. Ah, yes. Oh, I love that. Now that I, I live in a resort town. Yeah, I bet you'll oh experience gosh. that a little bit. Yes. Well, you know, it's, yeah. we're recording this in September, and it is so beautiful here. Like out this morning, I walked on the beach right around 11. Oh, I found the best shell ever. It was like a, like a big shell, like a conch shell. Oh. It was probably like four inches. You never find wow, those. no. Never <laughs> here because our, our ocean like tears everything up. But it is so calm on the beach. I love the idea of calling it Tumbleweed, Tumbleweed. Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. So Chris from Myrtle Beach, she said. And I'm, I've actually met Chris. Hello, Chris. Oh, have you? Yeah. That's fun. Uh, she said, I'm a native New Yorker. Pizza is a big part of a New Yorker's heart and stomach. I must have been a New Yorker in a former life. <laughs> I think pizza is a universal, right? Pizza is my love language. Yeah. You can go into any pizza parlor and order a slice at the counter, and you'll get one slice of pizza. When I moved to Denver years ago, I stopped at a pizza shop and tried to order a slice at the counter. I was told to sit at a table, and the waitress would come take my order. Again, I ordered a slice and a Diet Coke. A few minutes later, the waitress returned with two glasses, one Diet Coke, and one slice, a 7-Up type soda. (laughs) (laughs) That's like me trying to order iced tea in the South. That's so funny. Also, in New York, pizza is called pie, as in, should we order a pie for dinner? And a plain pie is a cheese pizza. Yeah, that yeah, that that would be important because you said, I'd like a plain pie. We'd be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'd be like, you know want that, pie crust? <laughs> like, I have heard it called a slice and a yes, pie. Yes, I have heard that. Mm-hmm. I have heard all that. I guess also watching TV, right? You know, you yeah. see those things in TV shows. Tracy from Newfoundland says... 
Newfoundland has so many unique colloquialisms, we have our own dictionary of Newfoundland English. People will greet you when you arrive, so if you visit, you should for sure know a few. Too many favorites. Could be a whole show on Newfoundland and Labrador. Of course, it's all in the accent. Okay, see. <laughs> now I feel like worried about it. She said, I can't wait to hear your attempts. <laughs> hey, why are you making me do this one, Sherry? <laughs> she said, if any of these make it to the podcast, they are making it, Tracy. Ye, plural for you, haven't got a chance. Oh, that's funny. She said, ye haven't got a chance. Just to help you start, it's not Newfoundland. It's pronounced Newfoundland. I almost did it, right? I was saying Newfoundland. Mm-hmm. I was putting the D in there, though. I was saying Newfoundland, Newfoundland. All right. Anyway, (laughs) Newfoundland. She says, I have countless. It's true, though. If you come to Newfoundland, strangers will be speaking to you. What you at means what are you doing? Typical response, this is it. Who nitcha means who are your parents. That's cute. That is cute. Rotted is an adjective for annoyed or poisoned. Like you might say, I waited in line for hours, rotted. All right. The arse is out of her means it's gone to hell. And be there the once means I'll be right there. Be there the once. I don't know how to pronounce any of those. I just said them like that late (laughs) looked. You did pretty well, but what do I know? (laughs) So Roxy from the Texas-Mexican border, also known as La Frontera, you say it's fresh outside to mean it's a nice day out. You're going to get it means you're in big trouble. Oh, that, that might be universal. You're going to get it. Is that one universal? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to get it. Yeah. Down here in the South, it might be you're fixing to get it. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> if you say this guy and this guy, G-U-I, I can't believe you said that. Never heard that. A raspa is a snow cone. You don't know what happened versus you know what happened. Coke is any soda and La Migra is the border patrol. It is true. We do tend to say Coke all the time. That's a Southern thing. Mm -hmm. Like you want to go get a Coke. What do you want? I mean, well, you just said Coke. No, Coke just means get a soda. Yes. And we certainly don't say Again, I learned that the hard way when my husband, when I first moved here, he said, would you bring me a Coke to work? I'm really thirsty. And I brought him a Coke. And then he's like, why'd you bring me that? You you know, I drink Mountain Dew. And I'm like, you asked for a Coke. It was so confusing. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) So Michelle from the Scottish Borders said, Wits for ye will, no go by ye. I got to say that again. Wits for ye will, no go by ye, which translates to what's for you will not go by you. Okay, so what's for you will not go by you. Wits for ye will not go by ye. Okay, now I get it. (laughs) If something is meant for you, like a new job, it will happen. Or you could say on a shugly peg which means on a wobbly peg, which is a precarious situation or your last warning. I love the sound oh, of that. I wish Ooh, you were still that's a teacher. a peg. You could tell the kids, you're on a wobbly peg. You're on a shugly peg. I like shugly peg. <laughs> yeah. You are on a shugly peg as opposed to like you are on my last nerve. I'm going to tell my husband that. You're on a shugly peg. <laughs> that's fun to say. <laughs> Karen from Birmingham, Michigan. She said, this is one I never knew was only said in Metro Detroit. We've always called sliding glass doors door walls. That's just what they are. Until about a month ago when a family member told me that Detroiters are the only people that call them this. Who knew? After a quick search, we learned a local window replacement company coined the term. The other totally Michigan thing is to slide words together. The classic is Secretary of State. The Secretary of State is where you go to renew your license and take care of other business with the state. The of gets added to the end of secretary. Weird, I know. That is funny. I've never heard of that, a door wall. I have never heard of that. That is so funny. Yeah. We also tend to blend things together. Yeah, I think that happens. I do that a lot. All right. The next submission is from Mary from Minnesota. She said, in the Midwest, we pronounce bison Bison. Also, we say rough 
for roof. That is true. I worked with some. They say I mean, rough. I, I said roof, but I I grew up with kids who said rough. And um, you know, I was with my dad last week, and he I totally forgot he pronounced. He's from Kansas City. Warsh. He never says wash. He's gonna wash wash up wash the car. And my husband makes fun of me. Apparently, this is my Midwest accent colloquialism. I don't know what it is. I say always, always. He makes fun of me for saying always. He says the A really long, so it's always. <laughs> I That's so weird to me. How do you I'm say always? Always. And you say it more like my husband. Always. Not quite as long always. as he. He's always. 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 I'm always. All right. I don't yeah, know. we say it a little longer. We like to stretch things out. Apparently, in the I dropped the A. That's what it is. Maybe we do like to, to draw things out. But occasionally, yeah. I hear somebody on TV now say it the way I say it, or the way he always he makes fun of me for saying it. And then I'll be like, "Oh gosh, is that really the way I say that?" <laughs> <laughs> so Beth from Winnipeg says that a common thing to say up there is "royal rhubarb," which means a big fight or to do. But in the UK, the word rhubarb more or less means nonsense, and it came from the theater. So groups of actors would murmur rhubarb over and over again to mimic the sound of background conversation or a noisy crowd. This act is called rhubarbing, and the people who do it are referred to as rhubarbers. That made me think of like, you know, if you're trying to sing along with a song and you don't know the words, uh huh, you're just supposed to mouth the word watermelon. I've over heard and over that again. Before. Yes. Watermelon, watermelon. <laughs> it looks like you're singing the real song. <laughs> That's fun. Try it next time you don't know the words. Watermelon. Or you could rhubarb it. I don't mm. know. <laughs> Sue from Ontario, Canada says, I don't think it's based on locality, but my dad used to say, a blind man going by on a horse would never notice that. He would say this if you were talking about an imperfection in something like, say, if you mentioned that you'd not iced a cake evenly. As a child, I found it puzzling, but a blind person going by quickly wouldn't see anything anyway. Or was it the point that, yes, it was a glaring error for all to see? Somehow it morphed into my dad's way of saying, don't sweat the small stuff. And that's how I use the phrase to myself today. If I find myself fussing over a small visual detail today, I say to myself, a blind man going by on a horse would never notice that and move on. Thanks, Dad. I love the ones that are like family memories. Yes. You mm -hmm. know, like, like my, grand, my granddaddy. He used mm -hmm. to always say, it's hotter than the 4th of July. <laughs> I mean, that, <laughs> I've I'm heard sure. that one before. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. And he also would say, hotter than a $2 pistol. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. Pam from Texas said, when we moved to Texas from Connecticut 13 years ago, there were several things said that we'd never heard. For instance, I was in my mid-40s, and the first time someone called me ma'am, I was offended. Me too, Pam. Really? Yes. <laughs> I quickly learned that it's respectful, not an assessment of my age. We'd call the people who packed up our groceries baggers in CT. Connecticut, sorry. I'd even been one, but here they're called sackers. Somehow I still have trouble saying that one. Yeah, we In say baggers. What do you say? I've said baggers. Yeah. Yeah. In Connecticut, barbecue is something you do. Right. Here it's something you eat. Uh -huh. You do not go outside and barbecue. You do well, not. See, in Kansas City, we would say we're going to grill or we're going to or grill cook out. out. We or, cook out. Yeah. Cook do you out. want to grill or do you want to grill out? We Barbecue is a thing. It's like pulled pork. Or bar, it's a bar, like a barbecue restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Barbecue is a food. It's a, uh -huh. not, not an action. Yeah. It's a noun, <laughs> not a verb. Noun. So <laughs> she says, for some reason, I'd said y'all for as long as I can remember. So that one wasn't a big shift. But I did pretty quickly adopt fixin' to instead of getting ready to. There are many terms for someone who isn't who they say they are. But all hat, no cattle has even deeper meaning here. And I'd never heard this, so I looked this up. It originated from people wearing cowboy hats for fashion, but that were not cowboys. So they were fakers or posers. It can also be used to mean all talk, no action. Yeah, that makes sense. All, all hat, hat no, cattle. no cattle. Yeah. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> That's a good one. All right. So Annette from Australia, she said, hi, ladies. Here are a few from Australia. 
I'm so hungry I could eat a horse and chase the rider. Now, we, we, we all say that one, right? I could eat a horse. I've never yep. heard the chase the rider part. Nope, that's that one's new. new. Put a sock in it, telling someone to shut up. We say that one too. Yes. Six of one, half dozen of the other. It's not quite you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, nor is it being caught between the devil and the deep blue sea. It's when it's 50-50 odds that whatever decision you make will not likely affect the outcome of the situation. Six of one, half dozen of the other means you'll end up with a dozen anyway. So, yep, I've used that one too. I I think those might be universal ones. I think so. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. For anybody wondering, caught between the devil and the deep blue sea means having to take make a decision between two awful choices. Here's another one. Hit the frog and toad. I've never heard of that one. Have you heard of that one? I've never. I think that's, that might that's just be Australia. One. The other ones I, I had heard, it's chockers in here. I'd never heard that one. It means it's crowded. Akadaka is another way of saying <laughs> ACDC, the rock band. Arvo is afternoon. Avo is avocado, which we I've I've heard people say that. And then Bicky is short for biscuit, which means cookies to us. Like I always love to hear our Australian and UK members of the community yes. talking about having a biscuit. It's not like right. our biscuit at all. Our biscuit is like a scone, but softer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I always think like these should be like easier way to say things like I feel always kind of feel like slang is like a maybe a lazy way of saying something but akadaka that seems harder to me than ACDC <laughs> <laughs> well it is just funny how people say things like you know Chad taught organic chemistry uh-huh. and when Cal and Kate were at Georgia Tech we were visiting and Kate was talking about orgo I'm like what are you talking about Orgo. orgo orgo for organic chemistry apparently people say orgo oh okay instead of organic chemistry i don't know where you get orgo well they from. don't say that where chad worked <laughs> but apparently <laughs> that's something people say orgo all right anyway it sounds more complicated a- to me <laughs> <laughs> becky from texas said we say fixin to a lot and i thought it might just be a southern thing but then i found this it comes from the days of sailing ships When headed out to open sea, they would prepare by fixing their compasses by lining up with objects that were in a true north or south line. To say that you're fixing to do something is to say that you're preparing to do something. Oh, I love that. And it is something we pretty much only say in the South. But I've I've said it my whole life. Have you? I think I got it from my grandpa. And he was Southern? No. Okay. No. Maybe it's just an older phrase. I don't know. Well, we certainly always have said it down here. We didn't, we didn't drop it. <laughs> so Amy said, I grew up in northern Rhode Island around many people of French-Canadian descent. A favorite saying I remember had to do with syntax. Throw me down the stairs, my shoes is an example. I'm assuming the literal translation from French would not imply that you wanted to be thrown downstairs, but instead wanted shoes to be thrown to you while you're already downstairs. Okay, so throw me down the stairs, my shoes, instead of saying, throw my shoes to me down the stairs. Yeah. I think Spanish also puts words in different order mm-hmm. than we do in English. Like yep. the adjective is after the, I don't know. I didn't think, is, is the adjective after the noun? I don't know. I don't know. I took Latin <laughs> of all weird things to I do. I took German. It's so, not been helpful. No. <laughs> Latin helped a little bit. Like, yeah. you know, not, not a ton. Amy also says, we use wicked all over as in, that's wicked cool. Wasn't that test wicked hard? No idea where that comes from. I've heard it's a New England thing. Yeah, I associate that with New England. Yeah. So Casey Train shared, when I moved to Wyoming, I saw a lot of merchandise that said, go Pokes. And I was confused because the major college team in this state are the University of Wyoming Cowboys. Come to find out the pokes are really the cowboys because here in Wyoming, they call cowboys cowpokes and they just shorten it down to pokes. I've actually heard cowpokes before. Have you? I've heard cowpokes, but I guess I never thought of why they called Wyoming cowboys pokes. So I that makes I a lot of sense. I didn't know they did, but it does make sense. Beth Ray from the Pacific Northwest says, the mountain is out is an expression used in the Seattle area on days that are clear and when beautiful Mount Rainier is visible. On typical cloudy Seattle days, mainly between October through June, the huge mountain is often not visible through the clouds. 
One would never know the view was there until all of a sudden, in one clear, sunny day, the gorgeous mountain pops out. I would want to only be there on days that the, the mountain is out. I was I there for like over gloomy. a week and never saw the mountain. And my friend kept telling me, it's right outside my kitchen window. And I'm like, no, it's not. Uh, that's a cloud. And, and after I landed back in Kansas City, she had sent me a text. After she dropped me off from the airport and was driving home, the mountain came out. And that's what she texted me. The mountain's out. Oh, that's funny. So Kennywood is open is an expression from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where her husband and she grew up. Kennywood was our local amusement park. For some reason, unbeknownst to me, the expression is used when somebody's fly is down or they're on their pants. Okay, so if your fly is down, someone says, Kennywood is open. (laughs) (laughs) She said, my husband and I have have good fun with this one because we can use it as a code amongst ourselves to give one another warning when we're in public or to get a little private chuckle at someone else's expense without causing them embarrassment. That's when we said is open. the barn door is open. Yeah. And the cow's going to get out. <laughs> <laughs> or, of course, you know, there was the famous XYZ. Did y'all say that? Yes. XYZ. Yes. Examine your zipper. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, before we get to the listener lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to invite you to our Life Lessons VIP community on Circle. There you can interact with Jen and me. It's a private online community, sort of like Facebook or any other social media, really. But it's private, no advertising, no tracking of your data. It's just us. We just hang out a little bit, pop in. People occasionally will post some you know, issues that they're dealing with and we'll give them advice in a nice, safe place. You don't have to worry about your neighbor seeing what's going on in your life unless your neighbor is also a community member. Anyway, <laughs> the, the community really helps support our podcast, um, helps cover the costs associated with putting out the podcast every week. And rather than just taking you know donations or contributions through some of the services out there that do that, we wanted to give our subscribers something in return. That's why we developed the community. So we also once a month have a video chat there. It's a lot of fun. And we're working on something actually really fun for next week's video or next month's video chat. Steve, Casey's therapist from last week's episode. She's going to try to get him to join us. Oh, yay. Yeah. I did not even know that. Well, that's something we got going on behind the scenes, Jen. Very exciting. Yeah. Thank you for letting me know. Yeah. So... (laughs) Anyway, if you'd like to join us there, you can go to lifelessonscommunity.com slash VIP to learn more. All right. So now it's time for our listener-led lesson. It could be a life hack, a book recommendation, a special recipe, a kitchen tip, or anything along those lines. Today's listener-led lesson comes from Dina. She said, hi, I was just listening to episode 93, and you two were discussing pool enclosures in Florida and questioning their purpose. I wanted to comment on why people who live in Florida have pool screen enclosures. It's mostly to keep the critters out. See, that's what I would have thought. I would have thought it was to keep out bugs, Mm -hmm. you know, like a screen porch. Mosquitoes. Yeah. She said, but it has some sun exposure protection and acts as a safety barrier. We have an enclosure on our pool, but my brother-in-law doesn't. He's found snakes and raccoons have gotten into his pool. We live on a canal, and although I've never seen a gator in the canal, it doesn't mean there isn't one. It also keeps mosquitoes and other pesky bugs out. During the summer, an enclosure actually keeps the pool cooler, so ours feels refreshing, while my brother-in-law's sometimes feels like bath water. My brother-in-law can naturally use his longer throughout the year, but we have a pool heater so we can regulate the pool temperature ourselves when it starts to get cooler. We got the pool heater right before the pandemic, and it's been a lifesaver. Yeah, that does make sense because we don't realize how much the sun really heats up the bodies of water. Our house on on Lake Forest Drive that we lived in before, two houses, wait, how many houses ago? I don't know. (laughs) The one we sold in 2019. (laughs) It had an indoor pool that was built, I don't even know when, maybe the 60s or something. But it was under a roof and it never got warm. It could be a hundred degrees outside and that pool was freezing. You had you to, had heat, to it. heat it. Yep. Yep. So it makes yep. sense that even a screen enclosure would block enough of the sun's rays that it would keep your pool cooler. Yep. Well, thank you, Dina, for giving us a little lesson in pool enclosures. At the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener. Today's quote comes from a community member. The quote is, no matter what happens, no matter how far you seem to be away from where you want to be, 
Never stop believing that you will somehow make it. Have an unrelenting belief that things will work out, that the long road has a purpose, that the things that you desire may not happen today, but they will happen. Continue to persist and persevere. And that is from Brad Gast. And this member wrote, every week I choose a quote from my bullet journal. And I found this one when it seemed like I would never lose another pound on my weight loss journey. I knew I just needed to keep trying no matter what. Eventually, I did find a protocol that worked for me and I released 10 pounds in a few months. So that is so true. I love that. And I love the way the listener said she found a protocol that worked better for me. And that that's important. You know, a lot of people came to our podcast through the intermittent fasting community, although we're not an intermittent fasting community <laughs> at all. We're both intermittent fasters. And, you know, in life, we we trust the process and weight loss. We trust the process, but sometimes you got to tweak, tweak and adapt. Pro- right. Yeah. Trusting the process doesn't just mean you blindly think it's going to happen, right? You sometimes have to do some work there and figure out what works best for you. It's not always easy. So keep trying, keep tweaking, keep, keep working on it, no matter what it is, whether that applies to weight loss or anything in your life. Right. Yep. I agree. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed all those sayings and colloquialisms. And I'm going to be like really listening to see what I hear. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Since I started (laughs) working on this and thinking about it, I've like picked up little ones. And I actually, I have a little list started in my phone. I've started jotting them down. And then I was asking some people at work if they knew of any, and um, they started calling me and they'd be like, Hey, we have another one for you. So like the proof is in the pudding. Right. I mean, like, I don't think we think about those things sometimes, but we just say, I do think one day those, these little sayings will go away. Nobody's going to text that. Right. Yeah. Nobody's going to take time to email that. I guess. So, oh, I, I don't know. We got to keep language alive. I, I know, know we do. We do. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, listeners, thank you for joining us today. Um, don't forget to join us in the Life Lessons VIP community. Go to lifelessonscommunity.com slash VIP to be a VIP podcast supporter for either $4.99 or $9.99 a month. Your support ensures that we can keep bringing you episodes of the Life Lessons podcast each week. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. We would also love for you to leave us a five-star review. That helps us reach others. Do you have a story to share for our good news segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you? Or do you have an area of expertise that you would like to share as our featured guest for the week as we present our weekly life lesson? Email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and then listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.